Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Woo! It's good to be in church, isn't it? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us on live stream. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. Why don't you turn, give them a big hand, look at the cameras, wave at them, give them a hand. We want to welcome our Meeker campus this morning. So glad that you are with us. Why don't you look at somebody next to you say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. Praise the Lord. You can be seated if you believe that. If you believe that your neighbors, your problem remains standing and we want to Hallelujah. Great to see you all this morning. It's good to be in church with the family of God. Um, we have uh, been blessed to um, really have an extraordinary week. And so before uh, Brother Tim comes, I just want to convey to you, you know, we've been talking about the body and there's such strength within the body and certainly the body of Christ as a whole. We've been blessed to be connected uh, in so many different ways with uh, other members of the body, as you will. Uh, but the local church body, the member that we are of the body of Christ is a local church body. And what God does in interweaving that and creating just one aspect, there's, there's the healing power when we come together, that, that agreement, that anointing. Uh, uh, really, right now, I believe we're going to hear reports just of, of what God is doing in bodies just from that praise and worship right there. But that collective resources, we come together. And so we were able to be with uh, John and, and Lisa Bevere uh, this week. And um, you all... Uh, the church, because we come together, because the resource of that becomes greater than just one. As you give, and, and, and you know, sometimes you may think, well, my little bit of giving, but it, it, it adds up. That we were able to uh, influence the nation of Iran, uh, the Farsi-speaking people, in a great way, uh, delivering thousands of resources to them in that nation. Amen? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and so what? Uh, I may not be able to do on my own. You may not be able to do because we come together. And there's so many areas when you come together as the body that you're able to really collectively resource strength, wisdom, understanding. Many hands make light work no matter what you're doing. The, the idea of the body coming together. Many people just think, well, you don't need the body. We're just going to be out on our own doing our thing. Well, we go out and we minister, but there's so much importance to the body. And so even as we begin to declare, you know what, God spoke to us at the beginning of the year, Psalm 65, that, that he crowns this year with his goodness and his paths drip with abundance. He goes on to just talk about the fields and, and how they're growing and the, the flocks and the herds. And so the church is growing for the idea that there's greater harvest out there. Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that comes down over the head, down the beard, all the way to the feet. When we come together, there's a unity and the anointing begins to flow over every part of the body so that you know that coming together, there's an increased anointing so that when you go out, you know that, you know what, there's an anointing on my life to be able to be empowered to do something that I couldn't do. And so really in this place, I just want to read this scripture. Many of you know it, but it's so powerful as, as we're able to come together and affect the nations of the world. We Through that, we, we were affecting uh, um, that particular nation, the Farsi-speaking 
affecting nation, but we just saw Seth and Shelley are in from Croatia, and we're affecting Croatia. Uh, uh, Tony and Dunamis is not only in Croatia, but in, in Kathmandu, in, in Arequipa, Peru. Uh, we have the, the Rogers together with us. They're in Mexico City, and they're overseeing really South America and the Caribbean and ministers there. And you all have a part all over the nations of the world. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you all, uh, you know, the first part about how you sow, and you guys sow with a cheerful heart, and you always sow abundantly, and we believe with you that just as the Bible says that you will reap, not sparingly, but abundantly. But it says now, it talks about that, that, that all grace abounds towards you. And as you're generous in your giving, all grace, not just grace uh, for a return of finances, but all grace abounds towards you in all sufficiency. And so he says, now may he supply seed to the sower, bread for food, multiply the seed that you've sown, increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving to God through us. Praise the Lord. As all those things go out, as the resources go out, as people's lives are touched, there's thanksgiving going up to God through you, through you. And so we, we had a, a, just a great time celebrating. We're able to affect missions uh, into the world this week. I just want to let you know that uh, because you're such a huge part of that. And uh, sometimes, you know, you're wondering, ah, you know, what are we doing? Uh, your giving is impacting the world. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I don't want to take any more of Tim's time. We're, we're uh, just so privileged and honored to have uh, Tim and Rhonda Rogers with us. They have a great church in Mexico City. They oversee Rama uh, Bible Training Colleges uh, all over Mexico. They have different campuses in their church. They've been there over 35 years. We've been blessed to have a relationship with them, and they've been to this church many times. We've been to Mexico uh, many times and uh, just that connection that is there. And so this year, as we can't, we're coming out of COVID and different things, they haven't been here for a while. I felt like uh, it was really just important right now where we're at for them to come and really to speak into the lives of the church. So put your hands together, open up your hearts, give a warm Glenwood Springs welcome to Tim Rogers as he comes. Thanks, man. Thank you. How's everybody doing? Amen. Uh, just to reiterate, it's an honor. It really is. We count it such a great privilege to minister and be here again. And I want to thank your pastors for their love, support, and uh, it's just we feel like we're at home. Uh, even though we've been in Mexico for many, many years. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm originally from the the uh, Promised Land, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia where I was born and raised, a Canadian, and so as a Canadian, I say Zed, we use a garbrader, we eat poutine on the Chesterfield, we store our skidoos in the garage, we wear toques, we say serviettes, and we speak fluent hockey. So right on, eh? But I tell everybody I'm a Canadian by blood, I'm an American by choice, but I'm a Mexican at heart. And that's really where our hearts are. And so thank you once again. It's a great privilege. Could we just give a shout out to your pastors for being such great pastors? Real quick, uh, we'll just introduce our family. Uh, far left, there's my oldest daughter, Hannah, uh, one of our sons, Joshua, and our two grandkids. We got a third one that's coming in December. They're second generation missionaries in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, doing an amazing job there. They have about seven campuses in eight years that they've raised up, probably a couple thousand 
all together and doing a wonderful job. And so last year, last summer, God gave us two new children. We have a new son, Sam, on the far right with our daughter, Tiffany, and a new daughter, Bailey, in the middle of there with Matthew, our son. And uh, they both live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're actively involved in their church. And God is just doing wonderful things through them. We just love our family. Of course, my wife, this year we celebrated 33 years, so I know how to take orders. But I found that the secret to our success really is great communication. For example, the other day my wife said, you know, I saw our new neighbors. Uh, she gives her husband a kiss before work every day. Why don't you do that? And I said, well, honey, I hardly know her. It's like the other day she said, do you want dinner? And I said, well, what are my, cho my choices? She said, yes and no. So, Anyhow, great communication, right? I found out years ago that arguing with your wife is a lot like trying to read the terms of use on the Internet. After a while, you just give up and say, I agree. <laughs> By the way, did you know that scientists have proven that women who are overweight live longer than men who mention it. Yes. <laughs> Proven fact. Well, if you can't say amen, say, oh me, as Brother Hagin would say. Turn with me in your Bibles very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is where I want to start. Before I do, if you haven't heard my testimony, God supernaturally when I was living in Guatemala, the first two years I was on the mission field, gave me this is the Spanish language. I never went to a formal training uh, language school, and in just a little over a month, I was teaching Spanish in the Bible school, and it came supernaturally fast. So I wrote a little book. It's just got that testimony of how I believe God wants to accelerate things in our life today. And so, if maybe we could have a couple ushers, I want to give these. If you want one of these books, just raise your hand. Any of your ushers here? And somebody else on this side, another usher? Anybody else? Grab, help me here. There you go, another one. Here you go, one more. Whoops. You play for the D Denver Broncos? All right. Uh, I'm very aware that all ministry gifts have a deposit to give to the body of Christ. And as a missionary, I believe God has given us something that will be very beneficial to all of us today, because I believe he's got a deposit for each and every one of you. I'm amazed every time when God moves in a service like he has been doing today, how different needs can be met even through the word and even through what God, I believe, wants to minister to us today. If you'll just say, I'm believing, I'm expecting, I believe each and every one of us can leave this place different in Jesus' name. Would you agree with me on that? Amen. Amen. Father, we just love your word. We're so grateful, so thankful for your presence today. We sense the Spirit of God has already began to move mightily in bodies and minds and we just ask you for utterance that he would speak through us and minister to those who have needs that in Jesus' name I declare 
Not one individual will leave the same as they came. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For many of you might know that Superman was created in 1939, and he was the first superhero. So it's the story of Clark Kent, who came from the planet Krypton, who was sent to Earth, and he was adopted by earthly parents. But it's interesting because his life really had a turn in that he didn't really know who he was till finally he gets to college and he realized there's something different and he had to change or see his identity not just from being a super boy but a super man. And I think many people in the body of Christ today don't realize that they are superheroes. They're not just Clark Kent's. Can you say amen? So I just want to share a few things today about will the real superhero please stand up? Amen? We're living in a world that is struggling profusely with identity crisis. And every time we come back to the States or listening on the news, it's amazing to me how many people are struggling with who am I, what am I, what am I here for? So I went to the dictionary just to find out, maybe I could get some clarity on gender. And this is what the dictionary says regarding the definition of gender. A similar category of human beings that's outside the male-female binary classification and is based on the individual's personal awareness or identity. It goes on to say that they're male-female, transgender, gender-neutral, non-binary, agender, pangender, two-spirit, third-gender, cis-cis-female, cis-male, androgynous, and all, none, or a combination of these. So I'm a little confused. So I go in and I think, okay, what does it say about gender pronouns? It says this, and you can look it up in the dictionary, Z-C-E-V-T-A-Z-M-M-H-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-R-E-T-E-
tell you that you are more powerful. You are the superhero in heaven that God made you, that he brought you here for a great purpose. And the more you understand your identity in Christ, the greater exploits you will do in this world, in this time, at this place, in this move. Amen. If you don't know who you are, you will never enjoy all that God has given you. F.F. Bosworth said this, It's impossible to boldly claim a blessing you are not sure God is offering. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this, This is who you are. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become New. The Amplified, which is the woman's Bible because it has more words, says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. He's reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. And behold, all things have become new because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Listen, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life for all eternity when you became a new creature. Listen to me. There might be people in this world, even in this community, even in your neighborhood that might not know you, but all heaven knows who you are. The prophets of old, the angels of old, the apostles know who you are in heaven. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philemon 1.6, notice this, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual, by what? Acknowledging, here it is, every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So your identity in Christ, listen, is activated in your life when you begin to confess the same thing that God says about you. One of the books that has impacted my life more than anything else is the little book called In Him by Brother Hagen. And I want to read something that he says about your identity. He says, the majority of Christians... Though sincere, are weak. This is because they never really dared confess what God's word says about them. They have never dared confess that they are what the Bible says they are, that they are who the Bible says they are, and that they have what the Bible says they have. In fact, many maintain a wrong confession. Instead of holding fast to a right confession, a wrong confession is a confession of defeat, of failure, and the supremacy of Satan. They're always talking about a time they're having with the devil, what a battle they're going through, okay, and how the devil is keeping them from being successful, how he is keeping them in sickness and holding them in bondage. And as long as they talk like that, according to what Jesus said, that is what they're going to have. Are you listening? One of the boldest confessions Jesus made was that he had, that has seen me has seen the Father, John 14, 9. What a bold confession. If you want to see the Father, look on me. In John 12, it's recorded that he said, He that seeth me, that seeth him, has sent 
that sent me has seen me. I am come into, as light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Let me say it again. Jesus constantly confessed who he is, what he is, and his mission in life. And we are to follow his example. And so to gain this identity of all that God did for us, we have to understand it's vitally important that we're continually confessing who we are in Christ. It's amazing to me so many times people in the body of Christ, you get around Christians, and how negative their confession really is about themselves, about their body, about their work, about their boss, about their mother-in-law, whatever it is. And how valuable and so important it is that we maintain a confession of what the Word says about us. Are you with me? Now, the other day, my wife and I, uh, we order in, uh, on occasion, sushi. We like sushi. And it comes to the house in these cute little boxes, and it's great. We love it. Now, I'm not a huge wasabi fan, uh, but they always give a big chunk of wasabi in it. So... I'm taking my first bite of sushi, and I don't realize that on the backside is stuck the entire glob of wasabi. And normally, you just take a little bit. I don't even eat any of it. So I got it in my mouth, and I thought, oh, man, I can do this. I can do jalapenos, I can do chile, I can do all this stuff. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I made a critical error at that point in that I decided to swallow the whole thing whole. I will tell you that I heard Jesus call my name. I have never in all my life, my wife, and this is true, she will tell you, she saw me. She said, honey, do you want me to call an ambulance? She thought I was dying. I faced death right there. I have never felt so much pain in my life, in my face. It was a wasabi moment. Wasabi. But, you know, I think a lot of times the revelation of who you are in Christ when you get that revelation, you'll have this wasabi moment in your life because it is more powerful than what wasabi can do for you. It's knowing without any shadow or doubt who you are in Christ. You are sent here for a purpose, amen, and God wants to do great things for you. So let me give you very quickly three things, okay, three things that I believe knowing who you are in Christ will do for you. Number one it will cause you to walk in greater authority. Knowing who you are in Christ will put you at a different level of your authority in Christ Jesus. In April of this year, my oldest daughter and son-in-law who live in Rio de Janeiro, my son-in-law, Joshua, and my oldest granddaughter, Sophia, who's eight, left the house in their car to go to church. They live in a long cul-de-sac where there's only really one way in, one way out. And only one car can get in at a time and one out. We've been there on several occasions. This particular day, as he pulled out, Sophia's on the passenger side. He's driving. There was a car stopped right in the middle of the road. And without a blink of an eye, two men jumped out of the car in front of them with guns and came to the side 
to carjack Josh and Sophia. The first thing he did was he told Josh, give me your phone. And so Josh gets his phone, hands it to him. He says, unlock it. Now, Josh, at this time, is a little bit nervous, as I'm sure you can understand. The gentleman on the other side has a gun pointed at my granddaughter's head and says, give me your gun or I'm going to shoot you and kill your daughter. Now, I'm a grandfather. I'll just tell you right now, I would take a bullet for my granddaughter without hesitation. And you don't always know what's going to happen in these types of situations. Josh got a little nervous, and he couldn't figure out the contraseña, the, the password. And as he's doing that, the guy's getting more frustrated. And Josh is doing his best, and I'm trying to get it to you. I just can't figure it out. So finally, he grabs Josh, yanks him out of the car, throws him down on the ground face first with a gun to his head. He says, I'm going to kill you right now. And the only thing at that time Josh could even think of is he cried out the name of Jesus. Jesus. He said, Jesus, you can take my car, but just leave us. I'm claiming Jesus. And just like that, the guy took Sophia out of the car, and they both jumped in and took off. Now, here's something that I thought was very interesting. Two seconds later, a gentleman rides up on a bicycle. And Josh has grabbed Sophia, and he's just hugging her there in the middle of the road, obviously very upset about what just took place. Sophia wasn't quite sure exactly what was happening. The gentleman walks up, and he says, are you okay? And Josh says, yes. He says, are you a believer? Josh says, yes, we are. And he takes him, he said, Bring, come over here. And he took him to the side of the road. And he said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get your car back for you. He jumps back on his bike and takes off. So Josh and Anna are like, or Josh and Sophia go back, walk back to their house a couple blocks. Obviously, if you've ever been overseas, you know that going to the police station and filing these kind of reports is just almost futile. I mean, getting your car back, you might as well just forget it. So they were spent the whole day in the police station, went back home. That night at 2 o'clock in the morning, they got a phone call from the police station saying, I believe we found your car. It was involved in a shootout, and we've confiscated it, and we want you to come by in the morning and claim and see if this is your vehicle. So Josh comes, comes back, finds his vehicle unscathed. Inside his vehicle was his wallet and his phone. Within 24 hours, he got everything back. Here's what I believe happened. I believe God sent him an angel. It's, notice, it's interesting, three things happened when he cried out the name of Jesus. The angel came by, and he first of all wanted to make sure they were okay. Are you okay? He secondly, he asked for an affirmation. Are you a believer? And the third thing was he gave him a promise. I'm going to get your car back for you. And within 24 hours, they were restored completely with everything. Can you say amen? None of us might not know exactly what we would do in those types of situations. But here's the thing that I believe we need to take away from this. Because he knew his authority. There's times when we don't know what's going to happen. But when we proclaim the name of Jesus... 
and we know who we are in Christ, and we call upon that name, those that call upon that name shall be saved. Can you say amen? amen. That's the power of knowing your identity in Christ Jesus. He wasn't like some people you see on TV, you know, don't shoot me, don't kill me. He just claimed the name of Jesus, and that's the power that we have, amen, when we walk in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Here's a key. Write this down. The key to walking in greater authority is understanding your identity in Christ and how valuable you are to God. Let me say that again. The key to walking in greater authority is understanding your identity in Christ and listen, and how valuable you are to God. Because value is always assigned by the purchaser. If you're involved in real estate, you know this. Okay, how much is this house worth? It depends on what somebody purchases it for. It's the value of those that are purchasing. Well, how many of you know you were purchased with a great price? The blood of Jesus is what cleansed us, and it was with a great price. You know, a few years, or I guess two years ago when Tom Brady announced that he was going to retire, okay, somebody purchased the last football he threw for a touchdown as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and he paid $518,000 for that football that was supposed to be the last football he threw for a touchdown. A football that wasn't worth more than 150 bucks in retail sales. But somebody saw value in that. Now, obviously, what happened when he decided he was going to unretire is that that value decreased a lot. All right, but I think they gave him a refund or something like that. But again, the value is assigned by the purchaser. Amen? So when we understand who we are and what cost God paid for us it adds unbelievable value and knowledge in helping us understand man god must really love me who am i i am a son of the living god can you say amen, amen. so activating god's power again is accessed through the new birth the assistance of the holy spirit and the confession of your identity in christ jesus Amen? Constantly confessing who you are. I, I remember years ago, uh, Rhonda was upstairs in our bedroom praying, and at this time in Mexico, Matthew was, I think, four, maybe five years old. And as he walked up into our bedroom, he heard her praying in the spirit. And so he asked, Mommy, what are you doing? And so she explained that, you know, God gives us a language where he gives us funny words in our tummy, and we just speak those words out, and that's our way of speaking to God. And so she said, Mo, Matthew, would you like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? She said, God will give you, you know, funny words, and you just speak those out. And he said, yes. And so she prayed for him, and Matthew began to speak. And he said, Sapa, Sapa. And Rhonda got so excited. She said, yes, that's it, Matthew. Speak that out. And he goes, Sapa calafagilistic expialidocious. <laughs> and I think that's the way a lot of Christians are when they think 
they're really confessing when they're not confessing what the word is. They're just saying for funny words, okay, they don't mean anything. But listen, that's why it's so important that we take this little book, all the 130-something scriptures that talk about who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, our identity in Christ, and we speak the word over our lives. We speak the word over our family. We speak the word over our, 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 our homes, amen, our ministries, our jobs, amen, because that's who we are in Christ. So number one, your walk in greater authority. Number two, okay, uh, you will increase in knowledge. Your knowledge will increase, okay? Uh, many people have their identity in other things, in their body. Many people have their identity in their work, in other things. But it's important to realize that our identity has to be based on God's word, the written word of God, logos, and the rhema word of God that we speak into existence. Amen? What we speak will eventually come into fruition when it's based on God's word from a heart of faith. And number three, your faith will grow stronger. I said your faith will begin to grow stronger. You know, some people can never let go past hurts. They're constantly comparing themselves to others. And I struggled with this for, for many years, especially going to certain ministry conferences, and, and everything was about the ABCs of ministry, attendance, buildings, and cash. Now, how big are you? How many people do you have? You know, how much... Uh, uh, what, how large is your budget? And it used to really, really bug me and frustrate me and, and, and that, that people were always just concerned about those things. You know, yes, God is concerned about numbers, but you know what? The words that I'm looking for, the day that I meet Jesus, are well done, thou good and faithful steward. Well done, thou good and faithful steward. Let me give you seven things very quickly on how to be happy and full of faith. Number one, don't compare yourself to others. Number two, don't compare yourself to others. Number three, don't compare yourself to others. Number four, don't compare yourself to others. Number five, don't compare yourself to others. Number six, don't compare yourself to others. Number seven, don't compare yourself to others. If you want to be happy and full of faith then don't compare yourself to others. Amen? Why? The enemy is really not after your health, your finances, your family, your kids, your job. He's after one thing, your faith. How can he weaken? How can he destroy your faith in a living God? Knowing who you are, makes all the difference in the world. Can you say amen? amen? Knowing who you are. I heard this story last year at, actually at Messenger, and I thought it was really good. Lyle Wells talked about a training mission for Navy SEALs on how to overtake an enemy ship. And maybe Pastor Mark has shared this before, but the Navy SEALs start with small boats, and then they go to a destroyer, and finally, in order to overtake an aircraft carrier, they pull alongside, they got these super cool Ladders, they shoot up a side and they crawl up, and that's how they overtake eventually a ship as large as an aircraft carrier. 
And on this one particular mission, they had gotten up to the front. They're all excited. They had completed their task and their mission. And the leaders there get them all five high fives and everything. All of a sudden, he said, okay, guys, it's time to go back down. But as they turned around and looked on the side of the aircraft carrier, all of the ladders were gone. And he said, it's time to jump. You've all been trained on how to jump off an aircraft carrier seven stories high. He said, one of those Navy SEALs had enough time to think on the way down, what the heck am I doing? I think that is a great depiction of faith. When we get out there and we're doing exploits and great things for God, we're not, a, we're not scared of what the world might think. We're not afraid of what others might say about how we carry our faith and how we speak our faith. We're not afraid to carry our Bible in public. We're not afraid to pray over our food in restaurants. Amen. We're not afraid to lay hands on people and see God miraculously heal them. Nothing that the world can say or do is going to affect our faith in Jesus Christ because we know who we are, that God has given us, blessed us, anointed us, and equipped us in this time, at this place, to be a voice for the kingdom of God. God, and nothing that the enemy can say or do is going to change that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our faith is strong, and when your faith is strong, then you will share your faith boldly in Jesus' name. Because your identity, again, is not in what I can do, but, but it's what in God can do through me in Jesus' name. Can you say Amen. Let me finish with this, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. And if you would, please, will the real superhero please stand up? <laughs> Ephesians 2, 4 and 6 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Say this with me. I can do all things through Christ. For I am crucified with Christ. I am made alive. I'm quickened with him. I'm raised up together with him. Made to sit together with him. In heavenly places, I can do all things through Christ because my identity is in Him and I cannot be defeated. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark. Praise God. You can be seated for just a moment. Ooh who you are in Christ. Such a powerful, powerful message. You may have thought when you started, well, I know, but it instills within us who we are in Christ. I want to take just a moment because of that message and if you're watching online. You may have come in today and been questioning who you are, really what your value is in life you may have been thinking based on the things that you've done or where you've been in life that, you know, your value is lesser than somebody else. You may get caught in that comparing yourself with others on a continual basis. 
But what we've heard today helps us to understand. You may have been frustrated with things you hear in the world, you know, as Tim began to talk about that and how can people be so confused with all the things that are going on at the same time when we look at it sometimes we're confused not knowing who we are in Christ. But this morning before we receive an offering for them, I don't want to move any farther forward with the service before give you an opportunity. If you don't know your value, you don't know who you are in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That is the beginning. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. And in that newness of life, that new place, when Paul said, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, the life I now live, I used to live a different kind of life that was outside of my faith in Jesus Christ. And so I was bound in sin and death. But any man that be in Christ is a new creation a different kind of life, a different quality of life, united with Christ. As he ended there, letting us know that we've been seated together with him in that new birth. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just give me a moment here. If there's anyone here today and you say, man, that really resonated with me. I don't know really who I am. I've been confused about my life, where I'm going who I am. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That is the beginning place of understanding your identity and who you really are and who God really created you to be. If you're here this morning and you can say that, you just say, you know what? I need Jesus. I I really haven't been able to identify who I am. I've been confused. God loved you so much. And he knew the confusion of the enemy would begin to dominate your life because of circumstances and situations and things that you've done that he could dominate through that doubt, that fear, that disappointment in life. But Jesus came to break all of that so that you might know who you are in him and overcome all that the enemy had planned to destroy your life and actually become that superhero that God created you to be. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I just ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray with you a short prayer. I know many of you have received Christ, but if you haven't this morning, we don't leave without giving you that opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Anybody want to raise your hand? If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? Made Jesus the Lord of my life uh, some time ago but I haven't been living it. I lost track of my identity this morning. It would be a great place to say I recommit my life to him. If you know that you need to recommit your life to him this morning, raise your hand real quick. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? See that hand. Anybody else want to join this one? Say, you know what? This is a new day. I recommit my life to him. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray with this one. We're all going to pray together. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning. And I lay down my life. Today, I quit living life my way. And I recommit my life, declaring you as Lord. I believe that you died for my sin that God raised you from the dead. And so I embrace your lordship now. Forgive me of my sin. 
I repent right now and make a decision to turn towards you and live for you. Thank you for forgiving me. I ask you to empower me in a greater measure. Make me aware of the anointing of the Spirit of God upon my life and the power he gives me to resist sin and to be an overcomer in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Well, we want to receive, the Bible says if we have been taught the word, we should communicate with the teacher and all good things. We want to receive an offering. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're given by cash or debit or credit,